Hey, I'm really glad that you're joining me for this first episode on self-love. Self-love, everybody tells you that you should have more of it. It never hurts to have more of it. When we don't have more of it, we tend to have low self-esteem and then we fall in love with people that don't love us back. We ask for too little, we do too much for other people. There's all sorts of drawbacks. I remember when I was going through a really rough period in my life and my therapist said, hey, you may, you know, I think your solution is that you need to love yourself more. And I was like, hmm, you know what, sounds great, um, but I don't know how to do it. Could you tell me how to do it? And she's like, well, you know, you're lovable because you exist. And that to me, unfortunately, wasn't all that helpful because the reason I don't love myself is because I, you know, I didn't have great parents. They didn't teach me good habits. And I was in many ways just doing everything that's the opposite of loving myself. So I actually went through a whole period over a span of a number of years to just research and read everything I could get my hands on on a topic, talk to people. Um, and I tried many, many different therapies, different uh, books, different spiritual practices. And I came up with a whole set of self-love, what I call practices. Practices meaning that you have to do it every day. It's not like a one-time deal that you do it and you forget about it. No, it's something like a workout or a good diet. It's something that you have to know what to do, but then the most important part is you got to do it all the time and, you know, preferably as often as possible every day if you can or at least a few times a week. So one of the most important habits that really changed my life is meditation. And many of you probably heard of meditation. Um, what you might not know is why it's so important. So in terms of self-love, one of the common obstacles that we have is that we have an inner critic, like this voice in our head that's saying, hey, you know, uh, you may, you're not pretty enough, you're not thin enough, you're too old, you're not enough this, you're too much of that. Um, and it's constantly trying to compare you against other people or against yourself, like some kind of imaginary perfectionist goal that you're never going to be able to meet. And when, you, when it comes down to it, a lot of this came from our upbringing, especially if we have parents that were not entirely supportive or loving or who didn't give us con unconditional love and only conditional love, then we internalized that critical voice that our parents gave us and it became this inner critic that we then live with. So we could be hundreds of miles or even an ocean away, in my case, from my parents and still this thing would torment us. So if you have the inner critic, it's one thing to say, okay, I got the inner critic. It's the other one to catch it before you believe it. So when it becomes detrimental, is this voice talks in your head to say, hey, you may, you know, I think you're failing here and there. And instead of realizing that it's just a voice, it's some kind of old tape and choosing to not believe it, if I didn't even catch that voice, I didn't even realize it, I immediately believe it. I literally don't have a choice to not believe it. So in order to not believe that voice, actually the number one step is I have to be able to hear it. Like I have to hear it and know that I'm hearing it and then I can make a choice. So meditation teaches you to literally just watch your thoughts, right? The mind is gonna think whatever it's gonna think. You can never tell to stop. That's why they call the monkey mind because the mind is just going to think. Sometimes it thinks productive things. Like if you're in a math class or taking an exam, and you're thinking, you're solving a problem, that's all productive use. 
the non-productive and detrimental use is to use it for rumination, like worrying about things that are outside of our control, rehashing things that happened many years ago, regretting over the past, sending yourself into a depressive cycle. But with meditation, you learn to sit down and you watch your mind and you just breathe and you realize that, you know, the mind is like a canvas, it's like the sky. Thoughts are gonna come, they're like the cloud, they go by the sky, I don't have to hold on to it. I can see that thought, I can see that thought that's saying, you may, you know, you're not pretty enough. My God, why are you so ugly? And I could look at it and say, hmm, do I wanna believe this thought or do I not wanna believe this thought, right? Generally, when I catch it, I'm like, you know, that thought, I don't need it. I need to be my own best friend, I can switch it out. So meditation is really important, especially since this is something where science actually, they grabbed all these uh, monks that's been in uh, meditation for over a decade, solitary meditation, and they put them in fMRI and they can show that their prefrontal cortex, the most important part, the executive function part of the brain grows larger through prolonged meditation practice. But even for us normal folks that don't wanna do that, um, just after a few weeks, you will notice there's a noticeable and actually measurable difference to your brain. It's totally worthwhile, and there's enough scientific literature on this that it's no longer a question or a discussion that it's a good thing to do. But many of us still don't do it. Just because we know it's a good thing to do doesn't mean that we actually do it. We're busy. Meditation isn't that fun. You sit down, you're not talking. You have these monkey mind thoughts that are going like, you may, you know, you're failing. Oh my God, you're falling behind on work. You know, what if I don't do this? What, you know, things, bad things are going to happen. Why do you think you should just sit here and do nothing? You should go and get that thing done and wash the dishes, do the laundry right away um, and finish that work email. All these thoughts are going to come up and to be able to still say, I committed to do this practice. That's the hard part. So I'll show you what will actually make it easier. And I think I have quite a bit of cred here because I'm known to be somebody who's very outgoing, very bubbly. I have an extreme monkey mind if there ever is one. Uh, the first time that I decided to go to a silent meditation retreat, my friends were making fun of me nonstop. They're like, oh my God, you, may, you can't even sit for 10 minutes. Are you serious that you're gonna sit for 14 hours a day and do nothing and just meditate and, you know, more so you can't even you're not even supposed to talk to anybody or make eye contact for five days so there was actually a, a bet going on that i'm certainly not going to make it five days and not even probably one day um, but i made it and i thought you know after this experience like i can do anything i would be meditating forever but it turns out that is actually not true um, i came back and, and the meditation practice stick stuck with me for about another month or so and then i dropped it completely Right. And that was very disappointing because I definitely felt a tremendous amount of difference when I uh, first came out of the ashram. Everything just slowed down. I was happy. I was calm, even standing in DMV. So what actually changed for me was to figuring out that it's not the glamorous. I'm taking a week off, do nothing in a big ashram somewhere in Thailand. That's going to make a difference. It's actually the day to day practice, as I mentioned earlier. So if you want to build a meditation practice, the important thing to do is to remember to start small. Like don't say, hey, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to meditate for half a day. That's not going to work. First of all, even if you do it once and you feel real good about it, you're not going to keep doing it going forward. It's just not going to happen. 
Uh, the second thing is you got to remember to do it. I think that for us is a lot of times the failure starts before the day even really got going is that, you know, you wake up, you're like, oh, let me check Facebook. Let me listen to YouTube. And then, you know, your husband wants something from you. Your kids want something from you. And the day just like runs away and you never get the time to meditate. So the other important thing to do is to do something called habit stacking. So you can habit stack very effectively using an app like a habit app. Just search for a habit app. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I use the app. So basically I add every habit that I want to do and I stack it. Stacking it means I tag the habits that I want to build to something I already do. For example, I can tag um, making coffee. So I make coffee every day. You don't have to remind me. I'll go do it. So um, in the habit app, I will add, you know, coffee as the first item. And then after that, I will add the things that I might not remember to do. For example, I'll add run. Um, I'll add doing physical therapy practices. I'll add meditation to it. So everything just one thing flows to another. So you're literally tagging something you already do, which is making coffee. And then immediately after that, the habit app will remind you, okay, you may, you just make coffee. The next thing to do is to sit down and meditate. So that keeps everything flowing. And after a while, the benefit is it becomes a habit, right? After coffee, you're like, I know I should, I'm just going to go and do meditation because I always do that. So this is point number one, habit stacking is really important. Tag something that you want to build to something you already do. The second tip is to start small. So like I said earlier, do it more often is more important than do a big bang and then stop. So for meditation, I would actually encourage you to think maybe five minutes to start and do it, you know, at least three times a week and then add it to every day before you even increase it to say 10 minutes. So increase it slowly. The important thing is to do it as frequently as possible. Third point is you want to make it fun. Like for me, meditation really clicked and became a daily habit when I um, ran into this uh, Kickstarter store and they were selling this device called Muse and I'll put a link as well. It's a little headband that you wear and what it does, it has um, biofeedback. So it would tell you instantaneously if your brain is calm, if your brain is calm, then it will start to um, uh, show you that birds are chirping. If your brain is not calm, you will hear rain and then eventually you will thunderstorm. So at all times, you know, if your brain is calming, if you start to like worry about work stuff, for example, the, the weather is going to turn bad, right? So you quickly learn what strategies work, what strategies don't work. In meditation, there's many different strategies. So for example, some people listen to uh, or pay attention to breathing. Other people listen to sounds. You can just try and see which one works the best for you. And Muse really gives you instant feedback. Number four point is that if you can have an accountability partner. So my husband and I made a deal. Um, actually, I made a deal with him because I'm the one who needs more help with building habits. He's much more uh, on point on these things. But I said, hey, you know, we watch a TV show every night. Before we do that, how about um, we do meditation in like 15 minutes together every night? And he agreed to it. So we then associate um, doing the meditation, again, kind of like habit stacking, right? When we hit the bed, um, we sit on a bed, we meditate together for 15 minutes, and then, uh, which is uh, point number 
five, which is reward yourself, right? We reward ourselves with our favorite TV shows, but you can think about, you know, be really creative, reward yourself with like, you know, um, maybe listening to some podcasts that you really like or watching a, a funny uh, YouTube video or going for a walk, uh, whatever that makes you happy. I would definitely reward yourself. It makes life a lot more fun. Um, point number six is go for the Seinfeld strategy. So Seinfeld, as you guys know, he's a very famous uh, comedian and he also produced or is responsible for creating the Seinfeld show. So his secret is strategy is that regardless of how he feels, he may be really, really sick, it doesn't matter. He always writes something. He always writes a comedy every day. And then after he does that, he takes, he puts a big calendar on his wall and he will do a magic marker and mark that day. So what gets his boat floating is he wants to have as long a streak as possible. So a streak is where you d continuously do an activity, right? So for example, in meditation, if you have the Muse device, it will track it for you automatically. Like my longest streak is like over 100 days where I never um, forget to, to meditate. But you know, one time I went traveling and I forgot my Muse device. I just about uh, flipped out. But anyways, that's a different story. So after you've had a long streak, you have extra motivation to not uh, break that streak, right? So track it, it's actually really fun. Every time you take your marker and you mark that calendar, you're gonna get a jolt of dopamine and that just feels really good. So that's, uh, that's all for now. And so I will just you know, summarize it for you in, in nutshell is that you know, use an app like a habit app so you could have a stack. So tag your new habit to something you already do automatically like making coffee and you love to do already. So that after you do that you know, old activity, you tag on, you know that you're about to start your new habit. So you always remember to do it, start small, you know, and then add uh, slowly. The more important thing is consistency rather than a big bang. Make it fun, right? Gamify if it possible. I use a Muse device, but you know, you can think about other ways to make the whole experience more fun. Uh, part of that is rewarding yourself. So make sure to do something nice for yourself if you put in hard effort to build a new habit. And then go for the Seinfeld strategy, right? Literally print out a calendar for a whole month tag it on your wall, put a magic marker next to it. And every time you do that new habit, mark it and see how long you can keep that chain going. So I'm very excited that you've joined me um, for this episode. And if you're interested in more self-love tips, I'm going to do a whole bunch more of these. So please stay tuned. I'll see you next time.